friends, and welcome to another episode of Social Scoop. This is a podcast by your social mate, hosted by myself, Kristen Busquet, aka KBoosk on the gram. And I have a lot of interesting things to talk with you about today. And we have a really amazing guest for you later on in the episode. She is someone that I look up to, I would really love to do more of what she does, and so I was excited to be able to pick her brain for sure. So I know that you guys will really enjoy the end of the episode as well, but let's get started today by just talking about some news that's come out, but also some really cool things that I wanted to mention that I learned about and that I'm going to be trying out in the next couple of weeks. I talked about this first update, I think a couple weeks ago at this point, Instagram is actually implementing, just for a few people, the 60-second stories. We had talked about this. This is really, really cool, and this is something I'm definitely very excited for, basically to give you a little reminder of what this actually means. So, basically, Instagram, instead of cutting your 60-second clip into four 15-second clips on stories... What they're actually going to do now is have that full 60 seconds as one clip. So people won't have to click through four. They'll only click through one if it's something that they don't want to tune into. So this I think will be really cool because it will show less story slides up at the top. Sometimes when there's too many, I feel like I get overwhelmed as a viewer. So I think that this could be a cool way if someone's not interested, they don't have to like click a million slides and then be like, oh, fine, I'm out of here they can just click through one and it's done. So this is something that they're actually rolling out to some creators. I haven't seen any sort of confirmation like who they're rolling it out to exactly or like how they're deciding who's getting this feature. It's just another one of those where, you know, you get it if you're lucky and you don't if you're not. And eventually, hopefully, we'll all have it. But if you do get this feature, please send me a message on Instagram. I'm really interested to see what this actually ends up looking like. As I said, I'm very excited about it and I can definitely see it being a really cool way to appease your audience. Is that the word I'm looking for? Appease? I think so. I don't know. We're going to go with it. Okay, this is a this is a really random small little feature that Instagram is playing around with, but I wanted to mention it just in case some people are really hype about it. Instagram is rolling out the ability to add music to your feed posts. I haven't been able to get a lot of information on exactly what this will look like or exactly what this means, but what I do know at this point the way that it looks on the little test example from this app developer that was actually testing it out in your feed post, right where the location would go up at the top, it will show music. I don't know if this is something that you can have a picture and then attach some music to it and like the music will play over your picture or if this is just like in a video when you're using that music, it will show the music there. I, like I said, I really am not sure here, so don't quote me. As I have more updates on this, I will definitely update you uh, more on what this will actually look like. And for the YouTube video watchers, here is a clip of what it will look like. And I'm going to remember to put the clip in here because I sometimes don't. And then people are like, what clip, sis? So, yeah, I'll make sure I put it in there. <laughs> Next up, Instagram is working on an autosave draft for stories, which I feel like so many of us will definitely appreciate. Basically, it will automatically save a draft of captures and edited stories when exiting the story editor. My big question here because I know I'm not the only one that this frustrates, how annoying is it when you record a story, like a multiple slide story, 
two, three, four slides and you hit the exit button being like, oh, I'll just save it to my drafts. And it only lets you save the single slide to your drafts. I hate that so much. I think it's the stupidest thing ever. So I'm curious if this auto save feature would like auto save all two, three, four slides of the story. If so, that will be a great improvement if you ask me because I hate that I have to record only 15 seconds at a time to be able to save it to drafts. Whose idea was that? Hello? <laughs> I'm not really understanding the logic behind just, just the one 15 seconds. So I'm really hoping that's what this is going to look like. It is just a test at this point. They are just working on it. I mean, I, I have seen a lot of these little tests that they're doing actually come to life. I don't doubt that it will eventually come to life. Who knows what it's actually going to look like when it does, though. But I'll keep you posted on how that goes. This is another one that I'm actually really confused about but it's very interesting so I wanted to send it out to you guys and I would love to hear some feedback on first of all what you think of this feature and second of all what you think it's actually going to be for because it's a little confusing and vague for me at this point. Instagram is working on a story like sticker so this will be uh, when you go up to your little sticker section and it shows gif and polls and question box in that section on stories there's a little button being tested that says like and so my question is what would you like you know like are you liking the story are you liking like maybe like a post that you shared there like does does the like on stories convert to a like on the post. I doubt that. I think it will be a like on stories because if you had listened in a few episodes before, I want to say it was in maybe our second or third episode, they are actually testing a like button on stories. So bottom right hand corner, you'll be able to like it and that will basically just be kind of like another metric for us to be playing around with, which I'm honestly not very excited about. I'm curious to see what this will actually look like. It basically on the screen it shows up when if you were to click that like button and add it to your story it would essentially show up as this little white circle with a heart in the middle that people can tap on and again I do think this will be for liking stories because I think that's something that's going to be happening. This was a really cool study that I learned about in the last week that I wanted to share with you because I know so many people have had issues with hashtags because there's been just a lot of conflicting information out there. Sometimes we hear that we should use, you know, 7 to 10 hashtags. Sometimes we hear 10 to 15. Sometimes we hear 30. Sometimes we hear 3 to 5 question mark on that one. So yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of confusion there. I personally, when that like three to five hashtags thing came out, I was like, you guys are all fucking nuts. I'm not only using three to five hashtags. I don't care how much you want to tell me it's going to work. I don't believe you. So I will continue to use 30 hashtags until I die, basically. But in this study from later.com, they are a very reliable resource. I get a lot of information from later. They did a study of 18 million examples. Okay, so like a lot of examples. And basically what they found out was the post that had the most success with hashtag reach was the post that used either 20 or 30 hashtags. Not somewhere in between. It was 20 or 30. So I saw this and I was like, all right, let's see. I'll put it to the test for this 20 and see what happens. And I use Flick hashtags to track where 
I'm ranking on all these hashtags and which hashtags are actually working for me. And no joke, I ranked on 20 out of 20 hashtags the first time I tried this. I've only tried it once so far. So I think the 20 hashtag thing is accurate. However, there are plenty of times too where I'll rank on close to 30 hashtags. So I think either 20 or 30, maybe somewhere in between is accurate, but I really truly can't see a reason why you would use less than 20 hashtags unless you really can't find them, in which case Flick is your best bet there. Flick is really great. It basically helps you find really great hashtags to use. I use it literally every single day on every single one of my posts. It helps you find a lot of really great hashtags, but it also tells you where you rank on all the hashtags. So you can actually find out confirmed which hashtags are working for you. So shameless plug, if you're interested in giving Flick a try, they do have a free trial and I might have a link in my bio for one, okay? Just saying. Also, just a disclaimer there, it is an affiliate link. So I get like, you know, $2 if you sign up or something crazy. So yeah, don't all go at once, you know? <laughs> but yeah, Flick is really amazing. I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't love it. I'm not kidding you. I use it every single day. I get every single one of my mentorship students hooked on it. It's really, really great. A really awesome resource that I have not found anything comparable to. So just saying, Flick's, Flick's pretty sick. <laughs> Oh god, I hate myself. This is something that I heard in the little realm of TikTok recently and I am going to be experimenting with it. I also have two of my mentorship students that I spoke with today that I said you guys have to try this too because I think it could be something that's pretty interesting. Essentially, I've seen quite a few TikTok videos floating around the app where they claim that if you post a reel just to reels, it will outperform a reel that you share to your feed. And I'm trying to figure out like what's the science behind that and why would that work? But I don't really think there's any logic behind that. Obviously, it will just go out onto the reels tab. That's where it will live. It will not live on your profile. So to me, that says like, wouldn't you get a little bit less because you're not reaching specifically the people in your news feed as well because you're not posting it to your feed. But also I'm at the point where I know it's just a waste of my thoughts and my brain power to try and question anything that Instagram does and try and make sense of it because that doesn't feel like it makes any sense to me. <laughs> so honestly, I'm really not sure what that's what that's all about. But I have seen quite a few people say, oh my gosh, it worked for me too. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's working for me. Oh my gosh. And so... I will be testing this out in the next week or so. I have a couple of my girls testing it as well. So I will make sure that I share results with you in the next, you know, couple of weeks to see if this is something that we're actually on to here. One really awesome piece of news. I don't know if this is awesome or questionable, but I'll let you make your own decision. And I would actually really love to hear what your thoughts are on this. Lush Cosmetics. So Lush, they are the Canadian, they're like a bath bomb brand, all that good stuff. And basically they announced on Sunday that they're leaving social media. Like they posted on social media, a big graphic in the middle of their feed and they were like, we're out. Have fun y'all. And I was like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And then they actually had a blog post that explained why they were leaving social media. It was a CEO. The CEO was like, you know, I've literally been like creating all of these beautiful products for people to relax and, you know, enjoy like their self-care. And then I'm 
posting it on social media, which is like the place of opposite of self-care, you know, like this is the place where like our youth is seeing all these things that hurt their their self-care and their confidence and all of that. So the CEO was like, it just seems counterintuitive to me. And they said, when social media is a safer place for young adults, they'll come back. And I'm really interested to see like what comes comes out of this. They left their 4 million Instagram followers plus Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook, everything. And they said the 13, I think it was 13 billion dollars, million or billion, I don't know, a lot of freaking money. The 13 whatever bazillion dollars that they've made through social media in the last year, they said we will gladly lose 13 million dollars in order to contribute to better mental health for younger adults. And I was like, y'all are... Lush really has my heart. Lush really has my heart. I worked at Lush when I was in college and it was the best job I've ever had in my whole life. And no joke, I would definitely get a part-time job there. So Lush, if you're listening, I will... I'll work for you. South Park Mall, let's go. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to our marvelous guest. I didn't know what M word I was going to use there. Use marvelous, though. I liked it. I'm introducing you to our marvelous guest, Melanie, who has been a good friend of mine on Instagram and social media for a very long time now. She is such an incredible, not only creator, but just businesswoman in general. And she does a lot of really amazing things that I would love to do more of. So again, I loved picking her brain. She talked a lot about travel and how to get these cool opportunities outside of just sponsored posts and things like that. And I think it's a really great lesson for any creator who just wants more than just doing sponsored posts, which I think is majority of us. So I think you guys will really love the rest of this episode. Leave me a good review here. Let me know that you're liking this podcast. I've got great responses so far, but the best compliment you can leave us is a great review. So let me know how you're liking things. Send me a DM if you have any questions or want to chat about anything that we talked about in this episode. And yeah, without further ado, here's Melanie. So I am here today with my friend Melanie. I'm so excited. I actually have so many questions for you because I've been following you for such a long time now. (laughs) And we've talked so much, but I don't want to take up too much of your time asking questions in the DM. So that's what you're here for today. I'm going to ask you all of them. (laughs) I am so excited. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just a big fan of yours. I feel like I feel like we take it back to, was it Stylecaster days? Yes. Oh my god! It's been a long time. Meant to be. Meant exactly. To be. <laughs> so for anyone who is watching or listening that doesn't know who you are, or what you do, tell us a little bit about the life of Melanie. Oh, yay. <laughs> hey, everyone. I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for joining us, whether you're virtual or like video, audio, all the things. Uh, I'm Melanie Sutrathada. I'm an on-air host, content creator, and actor based out of New York City, but I also go back and forth to LA. For me, I like to say that I like to think that I'm kind of like, I'm like the first mimosa at brunch, right? Like, it's just like fun and probably get you loosened up and like then you go on and live the rest of your life in your day I do a lot of on camera (laughs) I love that I don't even drink (laughs) like that but like here we are yes I like to think that I'm a little bit of like Elle Woods after Warner tells her that she's not smart enough for law school meets like Kimmy Schmidt minus the whole like trapped in a bunker part so like very light vibes bubbly fun we're just not we're not we don't take ourselves too seriously around these parts so thank you for joining us this is gonna be a lot of fun Yes. Okay. So 
I want to hear a little bit about your journey on social media and how you got there. My first question though, did you start as an influencer or like more of like an actress? Tell us about how you got started with your field that you're in now. Yes, absolutely. Well, so I got started more of uh, as an actor. So I went to school for uh, broadcast communications and theater. So always doing stuff in front of the camera and behind the camera. And when I first started my Instagram, it was like seven, eight years. I don't know. It was a long time ago. It was when you would literally, I got started on Instagram in that time when people actually use the filters in the app, like Valencia. Yes. (laughs) Oh, Give me some of that Valencia. I definitely sharpened all my photos too yep. much. They looked so bad. It was just not a good time. I mean, just, yeah. We regret. just block that time out. Pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but it did. Well, to get to see, like to really admire where you are now, you got to go back and look. And I try not to delete photos. And so if you go back, you're just like, girl, what are you doing? I did delete my first photo and I wish I hadn't because it was like this really grainy black and white photo of me and my friend Lauren at like the Tribeca Film Festival and it was my first one and so you know there's some things that like I wish I had kept because it was just good for the soul but here we are yes right so you started off more in acting now how did you (laughs) get from there to being more of like a social media because you would you categorize yourself also as an influencer now I would say so from an outside perspective say so yeah I, I mean I feel like I'm sure you hear this all the time of like being an influencer just feels a little I'm gonna go ahead and just say douchey a lot of times yeah it just feels a little ill I don't whenever people introduce me that way I'm like oh but I'm also a host I'm also like I do these things and it's interesting that we kind of feel this need to like justify what we do oh, yeah. um because we don't want people to feel like you know when I think of like an influencer I think of those girls selling like flat tummy tea or like yeah have the you, you you get it the girls who are just like twerking in the middle of a road very like exactly in the wild like so I would consider myself like a content creator I got started I was working one of my side jobs as an actor so when I moved to New York I was going to the Stella Adler Studio of Acting which is like a really fantastic conservatory and I was very broke And so I was bartending at the time. And then I was also interning at the PR company that we ran PR for Blackberry, um, I think Goodyear tires and like a healthcare thing. I don't know how I ended up on all those things, but I did. And so I was like, well, I should also have an Instagram. I should have these things. And this is when like strategy wasn't really a thing. Like I remember they gave like 19 year old me, like the keys to the kingdom for like a healthcare company on Twitter and I was like you can just, oh just do whatever I want and I was like okay cool <laughs> nobody told there, there were no brand pillars there was no branding no one gave me things to say not to say and I was just like all right cool and I just and then I would when I wasn't doing uh when I wasn't doing social media for like that healthcare brand again I knew nothing about healthcare oh yeah then I would go and like do stuff for like Goodyear Tire and just, polar opposites Oh, it was such a mess. I mean, not that I'm much better now, but it was something that was just really fun for me. And I just liked, I just liked taking photos and just like, I just liked a way to really communicate with people. I thought it was really fun. And at that time I had moved from the San Francisco Bay area to New York city. And so I had all my friends back home. We were like, what are you doing? Like catch us up. Like if you haven't been to New York city, you just imagine New York city to be like, sex in the city and very gossip so you think yeah you think it's gonna be so fancy but in reality instead of like living in your like 
West Village apartment with Jimmy Choo's everywhere, it's really you crying on the subway at two in the morning. And then like, that is, that's the reality. So I was like, well, I'll share photos with my friends back home. And just slowly over the, over, you know, three or four years, it ended up becoming something and taking on a life of its own. At the time, I'm, I remember I was working at Verizon's headquarters. I was leading a team in digital strategy there and metadata and all this fun stuff. And there were so many projects that I wanted to work on that were coming through because of social media, but because I was working full-time in a corporate job, I wasn't able to take them. So over time, I knew that I wanted to leave. So I started taking on social media clients to manage their influencer campaigns and create like a branding strategy for them. I started doing those things on the side. And at a certain point, I realized I was like, I cannot do both. And I'm making right. the same amount on these freelance clients and also having a lot more freedom. So, you know, I'm, I would make the same amount in 15 hours versus 60 hours where I was set at a certain like salary and I, I couldn't yeah. go any further. And I was like, you know what? I just want to be happy. I want to go and have freedom. And your girl did not move to New York City to stare at Bryant Park from the office window and never leave. Like that's yeah. not what I was here for. So I left and I then went backpacking through Europe for six weeks, which was amazing. Oh my and gosh. came back and yeah, what's funny is I think that was about four or five years ago. And so my last corporate job was Verizon. And now I host a few different e-commerce shows for Verizon. So it's been a very that's full circle. Full circle. Weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So when you started taking on all these clients of your own and everything, was there like, so there was a certain point you realized like, okay, I'm making the same amount of money. What other like logistical things did you do before you actually quit that job? Like, I'm assuming yeah. you like saved up money. Like, what was that mm-hmm. process like for anyone who's in the same situation? And is like, I want to quit my job too. I'm ready. Yes, I get it. First of all, if you want to quit, that's probably a sign that you're not doing something that really fulfills you. Right. And so I started thinking, I really went and looked at my budget and I thought, okay, well, how much do I realistically spend right now per month? And how much do I want to be making? And how much am I making? So I was putting together those numbers and going, okay, well, like what my, what is my bare minimum to live in New York? And, you know, that includes rent, your <laughs> utilities, having fun, like you have your fun fund, your groceries, your whatever, what is the ba- bare minimum that you need to make? And are you making that? And if I right. wasn't making, if I wasn't making enough, I'm like, all right, then I'm not quitting. But like, that wasn't, that wouldn't be the smart decision for me. Cause I, I do not thrive in chaos. I need to no, know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, how much am I making now? How much do I need to be making? And then I multiplied that times six. I wanted to have a six month buffer to make sure that I would be okay. So even if, you know, even if I tried social media strategy on my own for three months and I realized I hated it and it sucked or whatever, I would still have that remaining three months to find myself a job. And so everybody's comfort level is going to be different for me. I needed a six month because I just, I'm, I'm yeah. a Virgo, your girl type <laughs> A, like I, we're both on the same page about this, but yes. we need details, but some people's, some people's fund might be three months. Some people might need a year. And I'm very lucky that at that time, you know, I, I mean, I don't have any children. I did, I didn't have like a mortgage, so I could make those leaps. Um, and I can make that jump and feel like, okay, you know, if all else fails, I'll still be okay. So that was like the number one thing I had. And then, so I call it a, I call it a fuck you fund. It's not the most <laughs> uh, beautiful thing, but I always, I think it's always really important to give yourself that freedom and that flexibility. So if you go, if you go into a job every day and you hate it and you want oh. something else, you have, which is, I mean, I think that's the majority of us. A lot of us are really unhappy in our jobs. And so for me, I never wanted to feel trapped. Right. Um, and so even like, I mean, I didn't, I 
I wasn't making a lot of money by any means at that job. I think I think I was working some 50 or 60 hours a, a week. And when I actually, that's crazy. When I actually calculated how much I was making per hour, it was like including all the overtime I was doing because I wasn't getting paid for any overtime. Oh, yeah, all that exactly. overtime yeah, I was making like $8 an hour. And I was like, I could literally be working at a Starbucks and McDonald's <laughs> anywhere else and be making more and be able to, you know, when you, the thing is when you work for a company, like when you go home, you're most likely still checking your emails. You're still exactly. tuned in. You're on vacation and your responders on, but you're still looking at emails. And I was right. like, I could literally work at a Starbucks, get better benefits, make more money, and be able to, you know, wipe my hands at the end of the day Clock and be like, out. all right, I'm done. Clock yep. out. And I, for me, that was really important, but I like, it wasn't a priority for me. And so when I finally came up with that number of what I wanted to hit, I was like, okay, well, what am I making now? What can I start putting away? What also can I start putting away? And how many clients do I need to reach at what point? Like, so if, I, for example, if I was charging $1,500 a month for a client, I'm like, okay, well then I need to have two steady clients that I can yep. lock in at, you know, three months for three months at this contract at this price point, then, okay, I will hit those goals. So, I mean, I think I love someone who's like, I'm a flip a table. I'm going to make a scene and exit and not think about it. But I think it, like the world is scary. We know this now, especially after the past year and a half. And I'm like, if you can make those decisions and feel confident about you know, that you will be okay, I think you're going to be in a much better place. But if you are thinking about leaving, I want you to do it. The world is, Seriously. there's so much more out there. So much more. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just so many people are scared of not having the stability of a full-time job, which is very right. much understandable. Like it's, it's yeah. not, you know, it's a tough world out there, obviously, but at the end of the day, <laughs> like, you know, like if you're going to a job every day that you hate, like there, you know, that's, that sucks the life out of you. And then, you know, yeah. you, you can get into depression and anxiety. Like it's just never a good look. So, you know, if you can start putting a plan together, like you said, you know, do you need three yeah. months, six months, a year, whatever it is, put a plan together. And like the only person stopping you from doing it is typically you, you know? So yep. I think that's a, that's a really good point is just to make a plan, you know? And then once you have that plan, that's probably the hardest part. Once you have the plan though, you just follow the plan and hopefully end up in a good spot. But I know for me, yeah. when I left my business, I did the same thing. I was like, I have to make sure that, you know, I'm going to be able to pay my bills. Like if I, you know, want to continue doing social media and everything, like how many brand deals do I need to do each month? And I did right. the same thing and made a plan and, you know, it ends up working out if you want it to work out bad enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it really comes down to how much do you want that other version of you? I think we can sit and, you know, I, I'm like where I am now, I'm like, I'm comfortable. Like things are good. Things are okay. But I asked myself, I'm like, is just, is okay enough for me? Like maybe, it, and the thing is it can be okay for, it can be enough for you now because right. right now, you know, all of us are just trying to survive. The past year and a half has been crazy and the great yep. meaning. So like, you know, if you are getting up every day and you were just getting through that day, that is a beautiful that's thing. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Like this is not, I, I, I don't want to get into that place of like, everybody should be doing a thousand percent because if a thousand percent is always what you're doing, like there's not going to be anything left yeah. for you. That's but impossible. if I, yeah, absolutely. But I do think like, you know, if you think, okay, I'm, I'm working for this company now, but I really love like you, like you have, 
these fabulous earrings that you make and you have like all these cute little things, but you're like, okay, well, if I want to have my own jewelry business in one year, how do I break that down? Okay. Well, I need my product first. Well, do I have sketches down? Do I have someone who can, who can make them? Am I making them myself? What about like the little those little cardboard things that the earrings go on, where do those come from? You know, (laughs) you have to think about all those things and you're like, all right, well, what's, am I going to sell them on Etsy? Am I going to do like store envy? Like, am I going to be a brick and mortar? I think coming up with all those ideas is actually really helpful. The idea of like, I am going to own a store one day. That is like terrifying to me. But if I can be like, I want to create my own jewelry business and have it up on December 15th, 2022, then I can go, okay, well, then that yeah. means in the next six months, I need this nine months. I need this and breaking it into those little tasks. Like anything is, is truly possible. I, even though it's scary, like, isn't yeah, exactly. it more scary? It's more scary to not to be doing something that you are really unhappy with. Like, I think, right. it, I think that's the bigger risk of like, do I want that more than I want this, this like just okay life. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it all comes down to just making sure you have a plan. You know, if you can have a plan, like that's again, the hardest part, but once it's, once it's in there and you can separate and say, this is what I need to do each month, each week, each day, Mm -hmm. then you're fine. You just have to follow the plan. So I'm curious, when did you, when in your social media career, did you realize like, okay, I can maybe stop taking clients and do more stuff for myself because I'm assuming you got to a point where you were monetizing enough. So Mm -hmm. at what point did you start monetizing? And then once you started monetizing, when did you realize like, okay, I'm just going to do this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. For the first few years, my goal was just to like, make sure I can make ends meet, which is fine. Like that's, that's cool. I think for me, I, I started monetizing in a, in a weird kind of fashion. Cause I had no idea, like at that time, like I knew people could make money from it, but it wasn't like today where you literally like, yep. all right, Pete, there are influencer courses you can take and you will do X, Y, Z and you'll get this. And like, here is the hack for creating reels that are viral. Like that stuff wasn't around. So I was just like, I don't know. Like I'm, <laughs> oh man, like there's so many great resources now. Like your stuff is <laughs> there's amazing. So there's so many great resources. I mean, there's also a lot of garbage. So you got to be like very wary. Yes. Um, Kristen is amazing for everyone. Obviously, you know, this you're listening. <laughs> just you. saying, you know, got you girl. Uh, so I, I, I was doing a lot of work for clients. And I remember the thing is for me, I, I try to really follow like my, my, not my conscience, but I feel like if something feels wrong, there's usually a reason for that. And so I was working for this client. My main thing is that I wanted to be able to, I didn't want to have to be in an office all the time. I wanted Mm -hmm. to have my own schedule. And I had two clients in particular who I really, really loved. And they had, when I first brought them on, like it was supposed to be part-time, like 15 hours a week, I would come in one day a week for several hours just to look over the strategy for the month or the week or to look at what we were doing. And both of my clients were like that. And I loved that I knew, yes, I would have that in-person interaction, which I think is important for people who are typically always on their phone or their computer. Like you need a little interaction, just a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Humans, what are they? I need to put on pants today. That's important. (laughs) (laughs) and so I had these two clients in particular who always wanted me in and they actually offered me full-time jobs and I found myself like coming in three or four days a week for both of them and I was just like 
didn't I try to get away from this? What am I doing? Like, cause it was, it was very easy to go back into that world. Cause you know, stability. you're getting paid on this day. Yeah. The stability is amazing. And when, when you're, when you have worked for yourself, that, that steady paycheck and knowing you'd get benefits and all those things, you're like, Oh, come back yeah. to me. It feels Seriously. so good. Yeah. And so for me, it got to this one, I was actually really fortunate that one job, they wanted to bring someone in full time. So they were actually changing out their marketing department um, and they were going to hire on, they were going to outsource. So at that time I was in, so I was just purely working on their, on their work, but they wanted to hire an agency. So they had come to me and asked, you know, would you be open to bringing on, like, we would, could we bring you as in for like your agency? And would you have like a team that could work under you? And I was just like, no. Love y'all. Y'all are great. But I think it's my time to subtly yeah. bow out. And it, what's funny is it happened. It, it, it was something that happened actually the day before Christmas. Yeah. At the time I was just like, so my choices are I either come in, come in for my own company and have to fill out, do all the paperwork and then also have to start hiring. Or I just don't have a, you as a client. Oh, oh okay. Uh, well, Merry I Christmas. Mean, yeah, I was like, so at that time, I mean, I was really fortunate that my my direct my direct manager was like, Mel, just letting me know, like, you are you like are severely undercharging yourself. Like you can you can charge a lot more to bring in this agency. And he's like, they love you, they want to bring you in. And I was just like, you know what? I am a this is like the kind of stuff that I didn't want to be a part of in the first place. And somehow I got sucked back in and I was like, I think this yeah. is a blessing in disguise. At the time I was like, what is happening? Yeah. And exactly. Then, yeah. And then literally a week later, that other client who wanted to bring me on full time as their director of communications, they, they were uh, letting go of some of their, of like other parts of their department. And I was like, you know what? I just think it's my time. Like, I'm I go too. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. And I, well, I think it's, again, it's really easy to do what is comfortable but we didn't come here to be comfortable. Like we want to do something exciting and different and be our own bosses as, as stressful as that can be. Cause it's, <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. It definitely <laughs> is. Like it's not all sunshine and, and butterflies. <laughs> I really wish it was. I really wish it was like the other day. I realized that like my eyelashes had started to fall out. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. It was very stressful. It's just been a very stressful time because it's the end of the year. And for me, one of the things that's wild is so a lot of my contracts, I split my time with being a content creator and an actor and also a host. And so the good thing is that usually when one thing is slow, another thing is picked up. So like this, I'm very grateful the season I had um, a few contracts with companies that I love, 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 but it's not always like this time around this time of the year. And so I just booked a, um, I'm going to be hosting a really cute show with Nick Jr. I'm super excited about it. Congrats. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. You're so sweet. So I'm really excited for that. That being said, a lot of my contracts are net 60, net 90, which means that work that I'm doing right now, I might not get paid for until January, February, sometimes even March. So things like that, like you don't want to go into the holidays being like, all right, I have money now, but will I have money like in March and April? Again, it goes to that idea of like flexibility and freedom. So exactly, it is, I, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything else, but I think at a certain point you just have to, you know, you, you can, you can only prepare so much at a certain point, oh, yeah. you just have to do it. You just have to go. And if it fails, all right, well, at least you learned something. Right. Yeah. And that's you have why you have, yeah. And that's why you have that backup fund. Cause it doesn't always yeah. work out. And if it doesn't, yeah 
you're still fine. You can still pay your bills, but then you try something different. You figure it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really awesome. I actually, I totally never knew that you even did like social media management kind of stuff before. So that's really cool to know that that's kind of how you got into it. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to know. So as influencers monetizing many times influencers think like, okay, how can I make money? I can do sponsored posts with brands or I can do like content creation. Now, you are also an actress and a, and a host. So you have kind of like this other aspect that maybe other influencers don't have, but for someone who maybe doesn't have that same like acting background, what other opportunities are there for influencers to monetize? You know, like how can influencers get into other things than just like, you know, sponsored posts and content creation. Cause I feel like there's so much more out there that you can do. And and you're a great example of so many other things that you do. You bring me so much joy. Ah, you're the best. I think the really cool thing is that most of us don't come to this field or industry with th- this as our primary skill set. So like, you know, you, your background, like you were, you are an amazing writer, right? So I, I feel like for you, if you were to go to, so you could have literally 500 followers, but you have this skill set of being a writer. So, you know, you could literally go to how many like blogs or other like publications and go, all right, here's the skill set I, that I offer. And I'm also an influencer. So these are the types of projects I would love to, like, I would love to write this for you. I want to, I would love to write, I would love to like ghost write your blog. And then that becomes a thing. And then like, right. and maybe your own you decide that every year you want to do like a quarterly like digital publication that is all your writing and all of your graphics and your images so that combines like your content creation right it also combines your writing background so like you know it's the same for like if you have if you have a lot of experience in marketing like there are so many like influencer marketing roles if you want to go that professional route but I I've, I've done some work where I like I come in just as a consultant where you know, some, uh, a new brand is asking like, here are the types of, pro-. so I get this a lot where I'll get a pitch of like, hi, you know, uh, it's such a pleasure to meet you. I love your content. You seem so fun and bubbly. We don't have a budget, but I would love to gift you the- <laughs> my face. <laughs> and we all get it. And so, and it's yeah. like, oh, well, well, we would love to give you this thing. And so that's where you have the opportunity to do a reverse pitch where you're like, oh my gosh, pink headphones company. Thank you so much for your love. You know, I took a look at your website and I find so many things that resonate with me. And what, what I know y'all don't have a budget for social media, but I would love to help you with like ghostwriting your blog. Here's just a few ideas that I think would be fantastic. Let me know if you're free to hop on the phone with talk budget and, you know, we can dream up really, really big opportunities. So there is a lot of it. I feel like we're always waiting Um for like that next pitch to come in, but we can do so much pitching on our own. And, you know, that I I've actually heard back from companies where I made that reverse pitch and they were like, Oh, actually that's something that's really helpful. And like bringing me in as a consultant, funny enough is actually usually cheaper than bringing me in to do sponsored content, but that helps me. I don't have to post anything on their behalf, but I do get to help a brand um, or a company or like a small business to grow. So there are a lot of things that we can be doing. Like, you know, even if you're a small, you're a really small, if you're a small brand and you're, you also uh, have like, you know, a small business, there are lots of different things you can be doing to make money. I think it's just a matter of really like thinking about like, well, what are you, what, what are you the most passionate about? Like if you are the most passionate about podcasting, 
then awesome. Like that, a lot of people are looking to get more publicity and more PR and being on your podcast is an amazing way to reach a very niche audience. So that's something, even if you have, if you have a thousand followers, but you have a podcast that, you know, you, your podcast is all about like highlighting small business, small businesses owned by Asian American women. That is highly specific. And that oh, yeah. is super valuable. It doesn't matter how many followers you have. So for a small business, small business around Christmas time, if it's an Asian owned brand that you would be one of the perfect people on your, I mean, obviously your podcast is not about that, but, you know, you would, <laughs> that would be specifically, a really, not <laughs> yeah. you specifically, although you do support lots of small businesses and you're amazing. Yeah. Um, but, but like, that's where you can add value and it doesn't matter the number simply being able to say, especially for a really small business who hasn't had any press before being able to say like, I was on Kristen's podcast for this and like, Oh, look at this great soundbite. Like that soundbite can go and carry them as they pitch other people or other publications or other PR things. So there's a, there are lots of opportunities to really grow and do things. And the number of followers surprisingly doesn't matter actually, which is weird to say. I feel like every month, every year, it matters less and less, actually. Like I know from being on the brand side and from being on the influencer side, like it really is crazy to see brands that are like, okay, well, yeah, they have 5,000 followers, but like, look at how many people are actually commenting on their stuff. And a lot of the times it could be more than people who have 500,000 followers. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, cause especially because there's so much like sketchy stuff that goes on behind the scenes with like, you know, someone bought followers and they get yeah. 20 comments on one of their photos. But meanwhile, someone who has 5,000, you know, gets 50 comments and you do yeah. the math and you're like, okay, so this kind of does make more sense, which actually for the brand, it ends up working out pretty nicely. Cause yeah. obviously that person's going to be a lot less expensive too. <laughs> yes. And I think it, you know, it's, it's getting easier and easier to really see like what kind of following people have, not in terms of, again, not like the numbers, but like, if you look at people's comments, I can tell when someone has done like a loop giveaway, which to oh, be fair, yeah. a lot of us have done them. I, I absolutely like years ago. Everyone that was a thing. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a whole thing. We did, again, it's like those blurry Valencia filtered photos. Like they happen. We get it. Um, we don't like, talk could, about it anymore, but it did we don't happen. Talk about yes. it. <laughs> Just, we, we, we are a little ashamed about that, but like you could tell when someone was doing it because suddenly their right. engagement would rise by like a thousand percent, but all the, but all, like all the handles would be like non-English words yeah. or like all the comments would literally be like heart, 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 fire emoji. And like, that doesn't, that doesn't help a brand. That doesn't help you. Exactly. Um, so I think, you know, I think a lot of brands are getting a lot smarter now. I see people with, right. you know, 500,000 followers and, you know, a thousand likes per image and like 10 comments. And I'm like, Hmm. the math it's like that meme where like it's the the what is it a lady with the math all no it's a guy I don't know it's a math <gasps> yes, all over yes. their head that's literally what I'm like yeah hmm, I'm just it's just not calculating for me <laughs> yeah I think, I think you know it's really it's really easy to get in this place of like Instagram is impossible to grow TikTok's impossible like we get into this place of like oh well like how do these people have all this stuff and we do the comparison game but yeah truly there there's so many things that like we don't know like I I know for me like I really I really love a curated feed I know some people are I'm like, the same. All mirrors. we mm. love you girl we love we love a curated feed but some, what frustrates me is like sometimes I see someone's photo and it won't even be of themselves it'll, it'll be like of their shoes in like a dark hallway it's super dimly lit like no effort with the caption is literally like fire emoji fire emoji yeah. and they'll have like 
6,000 likes. And I'm just like, really? Yep. I spent so much time like creating mine. Had I used my DSLR, I edited it in Lightroom. Like I took a long time to create this like, like thought provoking, yeah. or at least in my opinion, thought provoking <laughs> caption. And I'm like 1,000 likes. But the thing to remember is like, that's a thousand people. And like, what you're doing is going to be different than what other people are doing. And that is okay. That's something I have to remind myself of all the time. I think everyone does. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. everyone I've ever talked to in this industry, I feel like I've had the same conversation with them where it's like, we are, even those people with the 6,000 likes on the, on the photo that they just took like randomly when they didn't even know they were actually like creating something, yes. you know, like yes. those people probably think the exact same thing. So it, it really is almost a comforting feeling to know that like, Everyone really does feel the same way, but I think online, sometimes we want to make it seem like we don't feel that way and not as yeah. many people are like open to being open about that kind of stuff. And I know I've been trying to like, every time I'm having a tough day or I'm playing the comparison game, like I'll oh. talk about it because I think it's important to talk about it because everyone's feeling it. Like there's no one that's yeah. not. Absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the one of the interesting aspects of the pandemic is when the world was literally shut down that first month and a half and people were still posting like bikini photos or like champagne on a rooftop in the crowded space and I was like wait but like yeah. no one is doing that <laughs> like we all are like especially like in New York City like we had we were shut down so fast I was like you are not yeah in a crowded Times Square right now, because I live close to Times Square and like, you are not there. Right. I know for a fact, like, ma'am, stop trying to pretend. Like you're not <laughs> in first class right now with like a six, like a six plate breakfast, come on. So I, I think I think it's really important to remind ourselves that like, it is the highlight reel. I mean, especially like for like you and I, like we do love a curated feed, but you know, yeah. we try to add as many more human aspects to it as possible. And it is it's okay to not have the same highlight reel as everyone else, even though sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Exactly. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. It's, it's definitely a struggle, but we do our best and that's what matters. <laughs> yes. Um, so with the rising popularity of reels, obviously that's something that in the last, what, year or so? Yeah, about a year. They've mm -hmm. been out a little bit more. We've all kind of been forced to hop on Reels. So my question would be, first of all, how do you feel about Reels? And second of all, how do you feel like, you know, like, because I can tell you're a person who values high quality photography. You know, like, I'm the same way. So sometimes you. with Reels, I'm just like, it's just not doing it for me. Like, it doesn't feel like a nice enough production. So how do you right. feel about reels? And then in terms of like growth and everything, how do you feel about reels? That is a really great question. I, you know, what? I, funny enough, my background is in video. Like I, I went to school learning how to be in front of the camera and behind the camera. That's true. Um, and I, so I actually really love video, but video is so much more time consuming than taking a photo. And so I think that is my gripe of like, everyone's saying like reels are the only way to grow reels are the only way to grow and like you should be posting six to seven reels a week and I'm like who has the time like not me <laughs> I, yeah we don't have the time to do that and like I think to do I, I also came to this realization that like I am like you and I are people who love if we're going to do something, we want to do it really well exactly so like yeah. a, even like even if it's like a, a slow pan of a room like for the most part, like 
I want to, I want that. I want my phone to be on a gimbal. Like I want it to be as steady as possible. I'm like, you know what? Like, that's fine that that is your expectation for yourself, but just know that like, that is not what other people are expecting of you. And so when I came to that realization, I was like, oh, well then like things can just be more fun. Okay. All right. And I think the thing with reels is like, you just have to try it. Cause some, like there was, I challenged myself to, to do, I think maybe it was, I think it was like 25 reels in the span of a month and a half. Oh, I did it. But all those reels performed, they had like 5,000 views, like a piece. And it was just, which isn't bad, but I was spending like two hours you minimum on these reels. Yeah. And I was like, and I'm doing what people say I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing six reels a week. And I feel like I'm providing value. And I was like, oh, these are really helpful. Like they're great. Like Insta tips, like, you know, here's how to like up, how to change the blurriness of your background. Here's an easy way to adjust your exposure. And I thought I saw other people doing it. I was like, oh, well, like I should like, that'll be something that's really great for me. And then I realized I was like, just because it works for other people doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And that is okay. And so I recently, oh man, it's just so hard to like, to take that in. Uh, I recently started doing more just like fun videos of um, like of travel things that I'm doing. Travel something that I'm super passionate about anyway. And I was like, oh, the travel stuff. Like I did this video, this like cruise with me video that got like 60,000 views in like two days. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should stop trying to do what everyone else is doing and just do the stuff that is actually very fun for me. Right. And if it doesn't work, then I'll shift. But at least that way I'm having fun. And so it's been an interesting experience. I think, I think there's a way to do reels that you can actually really enjoy. It doesn't have to be all like boobs and like dancing in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Yes, there is, there is, that is a thing and people love it. And like, if that's your thing, amazing. That's not my thing personally. Thanks. And that's okay. Like just because everyone else is doing posing tips doesn't mean you have to do posing tips. I tried it. It didn't really work. I mean, I, I was very grateful because I had a few people who like privately young me and went, oh my gosh, this is so helpful. I love it. And that made me feel better. It wasn't like it was just going into the avoid. Yes. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing about reels is like, it's not going anywhere. Like reels are here to stay for at least, you know, the foreseeable future. So that being said, instead of hating it and going, oh, I hate reels. Like they're so time consuming. Well then like, what can you find? What can you do topics about or videos about that? Like your audience is really going to like, but also that you're going to really like, like if, if you yeah. really love it, at least you can say like, I had a great time putting this together. Like I did this, I did this reel about the circus the other day. And for me, like it wasn't a sponsored post. I just, and I, but it took me hours to do, oh but I just God. had a lot of fun because I thought like, you know, as a, as a performer, I know how important it is to support local artists. And I, I had read all these things about the Big Apple Circus in particular and how, you know, they'd had a lot of issues with, with Lincoln Center because a lot of circus performers aren't seen as real artists, which I think I, I, like as a, as a performer that like offends yeah. me. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do a post about the circus and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my part in this. And yeah. the thing is like, I had fun with it. And so I was like, did it get a million views? No, but I... I, I really enjoyed doing it and it did, it did decently. And like, that's right. what, at, at least I'm doing something that I'm, I care about. And like, if you can walk away at the end of the day, at the end of the day and go, all right, I did something that I'm proud of that helped people. And that looked pretty cool. I'm like, then 
then right, you like, did something great. That's it. That's what it's about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I definitely think like you make a good point with saying that it really does need to be like something that you can like sustain almost, you know? So yeah. I actually had one of my mentorship students who she is like super into retro fashion and she does a really, yes. really good job with these like super cool, like changing into outfits, different outfits, you know, like five or six different outfits in a video. And she came to me and she was like, oh. you know, these, these videos are popping off, which is great. However, like, do you know how long it takes me to make one video? And I was like, girl, yeah. I can only imagine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so she was just like, you know, I need to like, I want to post, this was on TikTok. She was like, I want to start posting, you know, two, three times a day on TikTok because I know that will help me. I know, I know. That's a lot. It is. Go her. You know, everyone on TikTok is always like two to three times a day, two to three times a day. You know, it gets drilled into your head. And so she's like, I want to try that and see if it, you know, brings me more growth or whatever. And so we tried to think of like, what's a more sustainable way that she can make videos about retro fashion or fashion in general And so basically what she started doing was she started making videos where she went onto Shein's website because she had just talked to me earlier in the conversation about how she was like getting things from Shein and whatever. So she goes on Mm -hmm. Shein's website and she'll find like the ugliest stuff on there because, you know, like everything on Shein is just like so hit or miss or some weird, weird stuff on there. So she started pulling pictures of all these weird things and she would like green screen it in the background of her video and she would talk about it and she's like a fashion major so she didn't just talk about it like what the heck is this thing it's so ugly she like talked about the actual shape and the quality and da, da, da. cool and um she's super funny too so she was able to bring in like her funny personality and I mean from I would say two weeks after she posted that she was at like 30,000 on TikTok immediately, like so quick. Wow. And, I, and she was just like, you know, that it's so easy for me because I'm only showing from here up. Like I don't even have to put real clothes on. No and like, pants all, required. Exactly. Yes. If no pants are required, it's already a win right there. And so she was able Actually, to just though, like yeah. bust out videos all day. She posts two, three times a day, no problem. And she, I think last wow. time I looked, she was like over 40 or 50,000. So like she's growing really quickly. She's doing something she enjoys. It's very sustainable for her. And all it took yeah. was like her to step back and say like, okay, this is what I want to talk about, but how can I make it something that I can actually consistently create content about and not yeah. feel like oh, I'm going to have like a whole room of like 15 outfits to clean up after this. It's a lot more work Mm. than it looks like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the most important things is like everything I do has to fall into one of three buckets. So I have to love it. If I don't like, if I can love this, then it doesn't matter. Like that is a beautiful thing. Cause like going to the circus, like that's something that was really fun for me. Dressing up in Disney costumes, like that is so fun for me. Right. I was kind of like, will Kristen appreciate if I show up as well? Like maybe, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see, questionable. So like those things are really fun for me. And if something isn't really fun for me, it has to be something that's great, ex- a great experience or something that's really great for my resume. Cause that way, you right. know, sometimes you do things and like, like there are certain jobs I've taken recently that do not pay well, but it's great experience and it's great for my reel or it is great, like my acting reel or my hosting yeah. reel. It's great for me to show on social media. So like it, it gives me, it opens up the door for more opportunities. So if it's not something I love and it's not something that brings me a lot of experience or, you know, something for my resume, then it has to pay me a lot of money. Yeah. Cause That's then fair. you can, you know, sometimes you take a job that 
isn't the most exciting, but it pays you really well. And then that means that maybe for the next three months, you can work on projects that are you're really passionate about or that don't pay, but are going to be great for your resume. So if you right. don't love it, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for your experience or resume, then it needs to pay money. And if it doesn't do any of those things, it's not something you love. It doesn't add to your resume and it doesn't pay you any money. Then I'm like, not you worth. need to walk away. Yeah. Your time is worth so much more. Time is the one thing we don't get back. And like, why do something, you know, like, I think we, we get really excited about free things, right? If someone wants to send me a Peloton, like, please, please send me a Peloton. Yeah. But, <laughs> Peloton, if you're like, listening. If someone, I mean, that would be really great. Thank you so much. One for me and one for Kristen T. Bye. <laughs> also the holidays. Yay. But like, if someone wants to send me something that I, um, if someone just wants to send me something, I have to go, okay, would I buy this myself? Is it something that I would actually really use? Is it going to be something that enhances my life? Or is it just something that's going to take up time for me to stress about creating a concept around? And then I have to go and shoot it. And I like, am I going to shoot it myself? Am I going to set up a tripod? Or am I going to hire a photographer? Is it worth the cost of me hiring a photographer? What time, like, am I going to shoot this at sunrise? So is it worth me getting up at 5 a.m. for this lipstick? Probably not. Is it worth (laughs) me paying $200 to my photographer for this lipstick? I'm like, no, because then I'm paying money. I'm losing money on this. So I think that's like the thing we have to think about is like, yes, there is one of the perks of this job is that, you know, sometimes you get some really awesome free things like a Peloton. (laughs) Yes. Um, Sometimes you do, but the thing is it's really not free because it costs you your time Yeah, and it costs you so many, like, you know, I, I think about like, okay, so if I post about this really amazing juicy couture sweatsuit, I don't know why I thought of juicy couture sweatsuit. That sounds great. But if I post about juicy couture, are Juicy Couture's competitors, and if, especially if it's not paid, are Juicy Couture's competitors, are they going to be, in the past, have they worked on holiday campaigns? Do I love their competitors? Do I know they have a budget? Yep. Well, then maybe me posting about this other thing, even though I like it, maybe that maybe the cost outweighs the benefit. Yes. So exactly. we have to think about those things, because a lot of things aren't free, you know? It all comes right. back to us in one way or another. Yeah. And one thing that you said that actually made me think of something that no one really talks about, you were saying that sometimes taking on things like that can take up time and and money and all of that, but also space. Like I know when I first started, I was like, oh my God, free stuff. Yeah. Send it over. Send it over. And I was like, this is amazing. But I got to a certain point where I was like, holy shit. Like I have so much, like so many foundations. I can only wear one a day. I like, I only have one sort of skin type, you know? So I, I feel like it can actually be so wasteful because like, sometimes you just take stuff and you're like, you don't really need it. Exactly. Like, do I love it? Would I buy it myself? Sometimes I wouldn't, but I'd be like, cool. I don't know. I'll try it. Why not? But yeah. then I was like, I don't want to just throw this in the trash, but like, what do I do with it? Like, it's very, it can be very wasteful. So One thing I want to talk about our our kind of last talking point here. I want to talk about travel because you do a ton of travel. You share a lot about travel for an influencer who maybe wants to work on more like travel deals. They want to travel more, but they want to get paid to travel. They want to travel for free. They want to go to cool places, experience cool things as part of their influencer work. How do you, you know, do you pitch to travel brands or is it more that they're coming to you? Like, how does that work for you? Yeah. So I think that's a fantastic question because that's one of those things that looks so glamorous. You're like, you get to travel for free. What? It is really cool. I will say that's probably like the coolest part of my job. I think 
one of the things I started doing is I kind of feel like, you know, if you build it, they will come. So if you want to show people that you can create kick-ass travel content, then you need to be traveling. And that doesn't mean you have to book a trip to Europe right now, but like, you know, in Charlotte, okay, well, what is around you in Charlotte that I always ask, okay, if you're playing tourist in your own city, like what are the things you would want to see? Right. So like in New York city, like when the pan, like when we're really at the heart of the pandemic where like no one could travel, I was like, okay, well, what are things that I can go to that are still safe? Like, oh, I can go to, I can go into the middle of Times Square. Like it's an open air place, but it's also something that people love to come and see. Right. So I was like, okay, well, there's that there's Washington Square Park. There are XYZ things. You can take the Staten Island Ferry. What are the things around you and how, like, I, I like to kind of create my own case study. So I go, all right, here are the things that I was able to show off in my city. And then, you know, you develop your style of like, oh, my every, for all of my travel posts, I like to do the top three things I let you do in your city or like top right. three places to eat in your city. And then I, I, what I would do is I would find the tourism board of whatever country or city you want to go to. I would start small. So like, if you're, if you're just starting out and travel, then I, I wouldn't try to pitch like an all expenses cruise to the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah. I would go, okay, well, what are places that, this is where like social media is amazing because you can find out so much information online. Yep. I would look into the places where that are really small around you. So like in New York city, okay, well, let me think about what does every, every city has a tourism board. So I go, okay, well, Philadelphia, what, let, let me go find Philadelphia's tourism board. Oh, and, oh, their Instagram only has a thousand followers and their last post was two months ago. And they're using, you know, uh, they're using like very blurry images. I can yeah. go, okay, well, I'm going to go, re- I'm going to reach out to Philadelphia's tourism board and I'm going to go, I, this is where you, uh, having a really great media kit comes in handy and you can make media kits so inexpensively. Now you don't need fancy oh, yeah. programming. So good. And I would go, okay. I would find the contact to, I would find the contact for Philadelphia. So I might go, hi, Kristen. Oh my gosh. I have been following, I've been following Philadelphia's tourism board. And I know I've been to this city three or four times and I absolutely love it. I saw on social media that y'all don't post very often. And I am actually planning on coming to your city and I would love to find ways to work together. Do you have any uh, hotel collaboration might be a good fit or, you know, these are the types of articles I've done. These are the types of posts I've done in the past of like a roundup of my top three favorite places to eat, top three things to see. How can we work together and how can I help you? When you present it like that, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, she's, she's already done the legwork for me. I don't, one thing, if I'm working on the brand side, I go, oh, well, this is awesome. She already knows the city. She's clearly, she's clearly interested in traveling here. So it's not, we don't have to beg her to come. She's already me on her way. And all she's asking for is comp hotel stay or some type of collaboration there or, and recommendations for food. That is so easy. And it's almost a no brainer in that case, whether you have 500 followers or 1500. And if, you know, if you have 500 followers, I might go, hi, Kristen, you know, if we're emailing back and forth, I might go, hi, Kristen. So I am super excited. I'm so excited that like the Hampton Inn or whatever yeah. wants to work with me. What I would love to do is in exchange for three nights, I would I would do five Instagram. This is a lot. I would do three Instagram feed posts, 10 stories, and I'll also do a reel for you. What are your thoughts? So like, I, you know, you, you come to the table with as much or as little as you think is really important for me, for me and you, like you and I love, we, you know, we bring our cameras everywhere. So I might also to sweeten the deal, 
you know, if we can, I might say, you know, if we can include a comp dinner at that amazing restaurant that I saw online, I'd also be able to, I'd be happy to provide you with five professional, professional images for you to use on your Instagram. Things like that don't, it doesn't cost us any money, but it's of such great value for that brand. And then, you know, when you've done that trip with the Philadelphia Tourism Board, then you can go to another tourism board in the country and go, hi, you know, hi, Jamie, I just finished this phenomenal trip with Phil- in Philadelphia. Here's links to the Instagram posts. And like, yep. you know, I got 4% in my engagement. And I also provided them with this, this, and this. I ha- am such a big fan of Alabama. I have been reading about it online and I want to find ways for us to work together. That makes it, it shows people like what you're capable of doing, you know, what value you provide and you're really making it easy for other people. Right. So once you have a few of those examples under your belt, then it is, it is easier, you know, and that, that, and when you do that and have a few examples that way, then when people are searching for, you know, travel bloggers who are really good at talking about great food places that are hyper local people were like oh Kristen does that oh my gosh let me reach out to her and then slowly it builds from there I think it's really a matter of like having something to show if you've never picked up a camera before and you're and you're it doesn't even matter you don't even need a DSLR anymore but if you don't know how to operate your phone all your photos are blurry you know you you the last time you posted was seven months ago then why would a brand, you know, like, why would a brand exactly. work with you? Like right. that you're not offering value and they're not offering it. They're not going to be of value to you. So I think that's, we have to ask ourselves, like, how can we provide value? And yep. I think, but I think one of the things with that is like, what we do, we also have to recognize that what we do has so much value. Like we're, it's not just like a one way street of like, oh, yep. they're giving, they're doing us such a favor by letting us stay there for two nights. It's like, no, well, you have, you're, you're, you're bringing along all your experience in photography, all your experience in social media, all your experience in X, Y, Z. So we have to remember that it's an, it's a two-way street for us. Yep. It's a 50, 50 partnership. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So thank you so much. This was really helpful. I feel like I even learned so much today for anyone who is listening and doesn't already follow you. Where can they find you all your social media, your website, anything like that? Yay, you are the best. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and across social at Melanie Sutra. Uh, or you can find me on my website, Melanie Sutra. Got it. I almost forgot my last name. Oh, my AirPods falling out. Don't judge me. <laughs> Struggles. This is real. Uh, you can also find me on my website at MelanieSutraThata.com. Come say hi. Slide into my DMs. Send me cute photos of dogs and tell me how much you love Kristen. All those things, please. (laughs) Amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. And I hope everyone really enjoyed this conversation. Yes. Go follow her now. She is amazing. I promise you will not regret. (laughs) You are the best and I adore you so much. Yes. You too, girl. All right. I will see you. Thank you. Yay. Bye, lovey.